Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for episode 22 of the Professional Insights. Uh, I just want to say there's a big, big milestone if you're listening right now that uh, we've hit over, uh, we're now over 800 listens. So uh, thanks very much for everyone for subscribing and sharing and all that jazz. Um, I'm Brandon Curry. Josh Bond. Jeff Collins. Trevor Lindy. And uh, we have a very special guest here today. Um, we have the uh, owner and uh, operator of uh, Henley Honda in St. Catharines, Ontario, Subaru of Niagara, and Skyway Fine Cars. The Alex, handsome and charismatic. V- very charismatic and a great, deep, <laughs> sexy radio voice. Good God. Uh, Alex DeGenis. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? Thanks very much for coming on. Awesome. Glad to be here, guys. Congratulations oh. on your success. No, you're a very, very busy man. And uh, just to, to nail you down for a couple of episodes is an absolute honor. Didn't realize I was getting nailed down. It's <laughs> <laughs> not part of the deal. Um, so we have... Uh, we, we've, and the reason why we asked you on was there was a couple of uh, questions that came across um, in both uh, Bondo's and, uh, and Lindy's and myself industries regarding uh, leasing versus financing. What's the best? And, and, and I know you have a vested interest in that aspect. And so what do you tell if a, cl- if a customer were to come to you at either Henley Honda or Subaru of Niagara, what would you... What, 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 what would you suggest? What would you say? What would you suggest? Well, it, it's it's. Uh, I, I think leasing's got a bad name for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, if you've got a salesperson, uh, when you enter the dealership and you have a salesperson that just tells you what you want to hear, which is typically, I would like a low payment, uh, they will serve up the lowest payment possible, which comes at a lease, which typically comes at about eighteen thousand kilometers. So we can, we don't really, uh, a salesperson might not be inclined. Uh, if they don't know what they're doing or their uh, their goal is to tell you what you want to hear, they will serve up that low payment. But so it, if you've got a professional who actually slows down the process and asks you questions like complicated questions like how many kilometers a year would you do, that would be the only proviso that would be uh, sort of a note of worry or a note of concern getting into a lease. Uh, it's, it, leases are really easy to get into and sometimes they can be hard getting out of because you didn't factor in the actual usage that you're going to be putting on the car. So if you go in thinking that you're going to do 18,000 or we structure the lease at 18,000 and you end up doing 40,000, at the end you will hate a lease because you will owe more money than the car is worth. So do for all of our listeners, we like just to also to now the lease, if I'm, if I'm correct, you just use the lease is based on the, the depreciation of the vehicle each year, correct? Yeah, you, you're basically paying for a portion of the vehicle. Let's say you're, you're, you're paying for uh, 60% of the vehicle and there's a 40% of the vehicle as a residual. So you're making payments on the 60, but you're also paying interest on the, on the, on the balance of the 40. Okay. So, so that's essentially how the lease is structured. And ultimately, uh, there are a lot of advantages to leasing. Uh, and it, you don't need your own company. Uh, I would advocate for leasing all day long, especially with the manufacturers that I represent. This is not a Honda and a, and a Subaru commercial, but the fact is that many years ago, uh, uh, many manufacturers came to the conclusion that they couldn't support the losses that they were experiencing uh, with their residual values or their end values. So if I was XYZ uh, manufacturer and I said to a customer, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, your vehicle is going to be worth $8,000 at the end, and the fact is that your vehicle came in at $6,000 at the end, I don't know a lot of customers that were really eager to pay $8,000 for a 
$6,000 car. Right. So a predictable conclusion happened. You turned the keys back to the manufacturer and they incurred thousands of dollars worth of losses. Yep. So if you have a manufacturer that has terrible resale value, and again, I'm not here to slag other products, but there are many. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, are. Uh, there are many manufacturers that have that. You, you can't make up your own residual value. There's sort of objective criteria that sets that. And ultimately, if you're pegged with that low residual, you subsequently have to turn to uh, long-term financing to supplement and to to create a tool, or for lack of a better term, a vehicle by which a customer can achieve the panacea of the low monthly payment. Hmm. So now, Alex, can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on the kilometer rating per year and and how you establish that or how that would factor in to somebody leasing a vehicle. Sure. You, so you said 18. So the bottom line, just to try to simplify it, is that that a vehicle is worth uh, is worth the, the time and usage, right? There's time and usage that goes into those are the major factors that go into determining what the vehicle is worth at the end. And so, so ultimately, the time's easy. What's the term of the lease? And then beyond that, it's how many kilometers are you going to do? Clearly, a vehicle with 96,000 kilometers is going to be less, is going to be worth less than a vehicle with 66,000 kilometers. So ultimately, we want to determine that. And if I can give a visual on the radio, it would be like a teeter-totter. So to make things real simple, we were all did teeter-totters when we were kids. Mm-hmm. When one goes up, the other one goes down. Right. So if you have a high resale value, that's synonymous and directly connected to a low monthly payment. Conversely, if you have a, you have one that's low, if the residual is low, the payment's high. So the confusing part for some customers is that you can walk into a showroom and see a $30,000 car and find a payment of $300 a month, and you can go into another place that's, that has a $30,000 car and have a $380 payment. Think, what the heck just happened? And it is obviously contingent on interest rate, but more so contingent on the residual value. So, so to answer your question, the kilometers are an intrinsic part of it, but, the, but a, a, a massive part of it is what's the consumer confidence in a four-year-old XYZ car? What's the consumer confidence? What's the consumer's optimism on a car with 96,000 kilometers built by XYZ? So that residual value is based on, there's, an, there's a little there's crystal a, ball gazing yeah, a little there, bit. There is. Yeah. The market confidence. If, you, if I said to you an XYZ car with 100,000 kilometers versus a, 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 a ABC car with 100,000 kilometers, some people go, yeah, no problem. And other people go, stay away from that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That translates to poor residual value or strong residual values. It's customer's optimism in the resale market that determines, that helps determine what, the, uh, what that residual value is worked at. Okay, and basically, when during two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and that's what that's pretty much what you know took the bottom out of the market because consumers' confidence in that resale value. Well, on top, there was a lot of other reasons and a lot of other manufacturers that were overloading the market. Sure, but um, that you know, hey, I'm leasing for four years. You're 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 rolling the dice. You're hoping that that uh, that Honda is worth. The money that it's that it's that we say it is in four years because a lot can change. Sure, uh, but that's the cool part about uh, some of the leasing programs, some, and and this is this is a really important point is that that uh, with the two manufacturers that I represent and and many responsible manufacturers, <coughs> we take the guesswork out of it because the residual value is set and and so it's guaranteed it's, more and so? it's guaranteed, right? Is it based on kilometers? So it, it is it is based on kilometers, okay. right? So so the bottom line is, and this is the confusing. If I said to you, hey, we're going to get into an open ended lease from a consumer perspective, you think that's open. This is great. 
but it actually means the opposite. In other words, you guarantee the residual value because it's an open-ended lease. Yeah. So the closed-ended lease is actually what, what we represent. And ultimately, if I say the vehicle is going to be worth $15,000 and and hey, this is what happened many years ago with a manufacturer that was alleged by 60 Minutes that that was unintended acceleration. Boy, oh boy, the residual value dropped on that because no mm -hmm. one wanted to buy the vehicle. They mm -hmm. were scared, right? Mm -hmm. It turned out that that wasn't the case years later, but the damage was done. So if that cataclysmic event happened, doesn't matter for you because we preset the res the residual value upfront. We sign for it. And if the vehicle is not worth that at the end, we guarantee we buy that vehicle back at that at that amount of money. So you have no exposure there. So th I think that's a really key to our listeners is that we need to know the different you know open versus closed leasing because 100%. I think a lot of people don't understand that that actually exists. Well, I think a bigger important thing is where do you find it where the residual value will be in the future? Like where's somebody because. I always have friends who are shopping, and, they, and it drives me nuts. And I, I got no skin in the game here, so I'm not representing yeah. any type of car. Yeah. And time and time again, I hear them buying a Hyundai or a Kia, and the residual value just drops off the face of the earth when they go to trade it in. They got nothing left. So on a lease, sometimes it works out good, but it doesn't on something like that. Can they determine where the residual value would be on an unbiased opinion without going to a, a dealer? In four years, how would they measure like consumer reports or something like that? Well, it's different if it's guaranteed or if it's not. I think is well, the, the value is the value is the value, and and so you know if I if I paid cash for the car, the vehicle is not worth nothing at the end. It, so it's not predicated on how much you owe, and that's the confusing part, right? So if you came to me, and and so to your point, and you mentioned those manufacturers, and I wasn't, but yeah, but ultimately yeah, no, since you opened the on box, me, on so me. what happens is that they've come to the conclusion, that conclusion that you just eloquently outlined, mm -hmm. and said, well, we're not really into leasing, and so we can't, we'll do it, but it's it's not it's not as favorable. And so when they come to that conclusion, then they're natural response from bringing a product to market is, we're gonna finance this thing for seven and eight years. So if I can use the word perverted uh, <coughs> in this instance, this is the perverted part. We've come to the conclusion that the residual value or the resale value is very, very low. So our countermeasure is we are going to extend the loan for seven and eight years and give you unbelievably great interest rates to, to demonstrate to you uh, that this is a, this is a no brainer. It's seven and eight years. So your kid starts in grade nine. He graduates high school, then attends university and gets his degree, and you're still making payments on that car that doesn't have good resale value. I don't know a lot of people that are, are, are maintaining those vehicles for eight years. Normally what happens is you get the itch around year five and six, some year four, some year three. Try to get out of those long-term finances. Negative equity is a pandemic in my industry right now. Negative equity is defined by you showing up with an eight-year car loan and you owe $10,000 on a $5,000 car. Okay. You try to get out. And I say to you, you got 0% interest, but you owe $10,000. Your loan, your, your car is worth five. D did you want to give me $5,000 to get you back to zero? Mm -hmm. Or... Am I showing you a $30,000 car and I'm going to sell it to you for thirty-five? There's and only two options there. Yeah. So that negative equity roll-in has, has to reconcile somewhere. So customers leave showrooms going, I got a great deal. I got 0% for seven and eight years. And then when you get the itch, that's when you get the carrying costs stuck in places that people don't like. So that, that's going to be a phenomenal segue to our next episode because uh, Alex was extremely generous with his time. And we actually have him for another episode, which will be episode 23. 
um, and we'll start that. We'll start off episode twenty three with that exact because that completely correlates to what Trevor and I do for a living with financial planning and cool. also qualifying for mortgages. So, do you guys want to talk about the advantages of like why I would do it? Why would lease? Why yeah. would you? Yeah, let's I, I, let's yeah, touch I base also, on so, leasing yeah, we, versus we financing. Why yeah, would you? 100%. In what circumstance would you would you lean more towards a lease versus maybe a finance? So let's let's pick a couple of demographics. Let's pick uh, young people coming into the market and and old people who are coming into the market, older people that are coming into the market. Ultimately, if I said to you, uh, you know, it's really interesting in Universal. Doesn't matter. I've traveled all over the planet consulting, and I've and I've asked a thousand salespeople. What's the monthly payment customers want to pay? What's that target monthly payment? The number one answer, what's the number one answer? It depends. A couple hundred bucks? <laughs> it's 350 bucks. Oh. That's, that's the, yeah, sometimes it's 300, sometimes it's 400. Man, it seems to be 350 bucks. Well, in order to get a payment of 350 bucks in a four-year term, which is, you know, people, well, how long do you want to finance? Four years. Do you want to finance or do you want to lease? I want to finance. So if I just ask those questions to 100 customers, do you want to finance or lease? I'd like to finance. How long do you want to finance for? Four years. What do you want to pay? Uh, 350 bucks. How much down do you want to put? Zero. Uh, you're going to have to put six to $8,000 down in order to achieve that monthly payment. Now, as financial planners and as people, if I said to you, I've got six or $8,000, do would I put that towards a mortgage and potentially save over the term of the fine of the, of the, of the, uh, of the term of the um, mortgage, the price of the car in interest, or, or are you going to put that towards a down payment on a depreciating asset? So bottom line, from a comfort perspective, do you want to give me six to $8,000 to get to that comfort zone? Or do you want to come in at zero and achieve that monthly payment? Right? right? So now conversely, I've got older customers that say I'd like to pay cash. So you're, 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 you're pulling your funds out of uh, guaranteed investments or some type of, of, of vehicle by which you're earning some type of, of, of uh, return. You're going to pay taxes on that and then you're going to give me that money on. So yeah. from, from that Doesn't perspective, it does. Yeah. Um, now, if you're doing 40,000, 45,000 kilometers, I would, I would strongly deter you from, because at that point, there, there is a sort of a breaking point. I can prepay your kilometers, so I can customize your lease. I can mm -hmm. say, listen, I've got an 18,000 kilometer lease, I got a 24,000 kilometer lease. If Brandon comes in and says, I got a 30,000 kilometer lease, I can tailor that. In other words, I can lower that residual. Remember the teeter-totter? Yeah. I can lower the residual because the vehicle is going to have more kilometers on it at the end. And if you prepay your kilometers in advance, which is at a lower rate, let's say it's 10 cents up front and 12 cents at the end, then bottom line, you come in knowing that you're going to do 30,000 kilometers a year and you don't have any surprises at the end. See, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So if I wanted to go from 24,000 kilometers a year to 30,000, so you can prepay. increase my 6,000, yep. what would that be about extra? A year. I don't know. It's going to depend I, on the brand, right? It all yeah, depends yeah, on the brand. Yeah, it, it really, yeah. it really you does. You know, if it's a higher end vehicle within the brand, it might be. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's just it's ten cents, right? So okay. if it's thirty, if it's a thirty thousand dollar car or forty thousand dollar car, it and again, different manufacturers have different uh, different uh, prices attached to it. Yep. But let's say the point is, is it's cheaper to factor it in upfront than it is pay at the end, mm -hmm. right? So and then, at six thousand kilometers at ten cents, you're looking at six hundred extra a year, basically. Well. Rolled in, so yeah. six hundred bucks. Uh, the the term might be might be ten bucks, okay. right? Might be yeah. ten bucks extra a month. That's not bad. So yeah, so al so ultimately, you know. But again, it it's it it's contingent on a salesperson slowing you down and saying, "Wait a minute, mm -hmm. I understand you want the lowest monthly payment, 
but we're young enough to do this 10 more times. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not just interested in the first deal. Right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you've got a better appetite to do this again with me if it doesn't hurt coming out. So right. residual purchases, more so, or less. So yeah. ultimately, name, if uh, you deal with a professional that's not in it until the, till the fridge market uh, comes back uh, and, and you know they're gone the minute... Uh, flash in the pan. Flash in the pan. If you're dealing with a person that's in it to, to do this multiple times with you and your family, they're going to ask those questions. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, thanks very much. That's great. That's actually yeah, great. Very um, that wraps up episode twenty-two. Trevor, how can they uh, listen to us? Share I, us? Basically, anywhere out. podcasts are available: uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. Jeez, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on where they all are. Spotify, Google, Spotify, Google. Google yeah. Book of Faces. I already said that one. I got Google that TV, one right. Of Apple course. TV. Come on now. I'm an iOS guy. You should know that. And uh, Alex, how? what's the best way, uh, besides the obvious Googling Henley Honda, Subaru of Niagara, and Skyway Fine Cards, how, how, how do we get a hold? How does people get a hold of you how, if they want to deal with you? Uh, listen, I'm on the main page of our website, so my email address is alex at henleyhonda.ca and uh, alex at Subaru of Niagara.ca. Uh, we've got websites, we've got Twitter, we've got uh, Facebook, we've got Instagram, so you can reach us in the in the normal way. It's Henley Honda, Subaru of Niagara, and Skyway Fine Cars. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, we will uh, see you guys on the next episode. Keep the questions coming. Out. Ciao. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.